And so he had to deal with being despised and rejected, even though he had done nothing to be despised or rejected. I know my life of 52 years, I've done things, unfortunately, that would cause men probably to rightfully despise me along the way. I have done thing in my, things in my 52 years that would rightfully cause people to reject me along the way. But he had done nothing to be despised and rejected, and yet he was. And the reason he was is because he wanted to relate to you and to me. And for him to be able to carry and bear your despite and your rejection, he had to endure it. And therefore he did. I can't help but think about the ministry of Jesus on the earth. And there are three people that just came into my spirit thinking about it. I thought first of Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene, the Bible says of her that Jesus cast seven spirits out of her, demonic spirits. No doubt she was despised by men. No doubt she was rejected by society. But Jesus loved her and delivered her, and she was the first to come to his tomb. Don't let your past separate you from him. She determined, he delivered me, I'm going to give myself to him. And she began to tell people about him. It was her that told the disciples, he is risen. You'd think the disciples would have known that already. But it was the one that had been despised and rejected whom he related to that she first came to the tomb. I couldn't help but think of the demoniac at the Gadarenes who had devils in him called Legion, which most have said meant there were 6,000 demons that possessed this man that cut himself and lived in the tombs and naked. They tried to bind him with chains. You want to talk about being despised. His city despised him. They kicked him out, and so he lived in the tombs. You want to talk about being rejected? He was rejected. But yet Jesus, when he stepped off the boat there at Gadara, the man, the demoniac, came running to him, fell at his feet, and worshipped him, and the Lord Jesus delivered him. Now watch what happens. He says, I'm going to follow you. Jesus said, no, you're not going with me. And sometimes what happens when God delivers us, we're like, okay, I just want to get in this little happy place. If I can say it that way. And I just want to lock myself in the happy place. I just want to go where Jesus goes. And Jesus says, oh, hold on a minute. You're not coming with me. You're going back to your city and to your friends. Hold on, what friends? Oh, you got people that are going to know you now and see the difference. You go back to your city and you tell them what I've done. And so he did. And if you look and you study it, the city was called Decapolis. Decapolis means, it's where we get our word decathlon. Deca means 10. So it was an area, a region of 10 cities or villages. He said, you go back and you tell them what I've done. And so that's what he did. He who had been despised and rejected began to testify of the one who did not despise and reject him. Then, of course, the woman at the well, she meets Jesus. Jesus tells her everything she's done. He says, go get your husband. She said, I don't have a husband. He says, rightly you've said, for you've had five husbands, and the man you're with right now is not your husband. Now, she had to deal with the word of God there. He wasn't justifying her action, but he was making her aware 
I love you in spite of it. Now, she had a choice to make. She could remain in that condition, or she could change because of the love of God that reached to her in her condition. We all have a choice to make. You understand, Mary Magdalene could have went back and the spirits could have came back to her. The man at Gadara could have chose not to go into the city and could have decided, you know what, my home is in the tombs. Environment makes a difference. He could have said, I'm just going to go back into the environment I came out of. No, no, no. You have to change your environment after God changes your life. I felt the Holy Ghost in that for somebody. And so, go ahead and be seated. Maybe you'll get two messages this morning. I don't know. I don't know that they're really messages. They're just things stirred in my spirit. Every one of us in this room have been despised or rejected in some degree or way. And we can walk around and feel sorry for ourselves, continuing to get the acceptance of men and the approval of men. Or we can recognize that the one who did not deserve to be despised and rejected loves us. He is despised and rejected of men. He was a man of sorrows. He is acquainted with grief. We hid our faces. For, he was despised and we didn't even esteem him. Why? The one who deserved being esteemed. Because he wanted to relate to you and I who have been despised and rejected. And he loves us. He loved Mary Magdalene. He loved the man at Gadara. He loved the woman at the well. And he manifested his love to them, not to justify or approve of their present condition. He manifested his love to them to deliver them from their present condition and give themselves over to return and reciprocate the love they had received from Him. If they would have went back to the environment He delivered them from, they would not have been capable of reciprocating the love that He gave them. He does not deliver you so that you can continue in your present state. He delivers you and I so that we can walk with Him in newness of life. We want God to do this miraculous thing as though Calvary and the blood and an empty tomb is not a miraculous thing. We want Him to do this miraculous thing in our life so I no longer deal with the pull of yesterday's lifestyle. He's not going to do it. He's not going to do it. He's not going to come and wave the spiritual hand of God over your life and, whoo, now praise God, I'm no longer drawn to that old lifestyle. It's not going to happen. If you're waiting on God to do that, He's not going to do it. You're waiting for God to miraculously step into a situation and just flip everybody's thinking around that aren't of God and, and just change their mind and change their heart. And then it, He's not going to do it. 
He's done the miraculous. He shed his blood for you. He came out of a tomb and is alive forevermore to make a way for you and for me to come to him. He came to where we are. He will rescue us. He will deliver us. He will cleanse us from all of our sin by his precious blood. If that's not a miracle, I don't know what is. The fact that the waters of baptism could cover my body and the name of Jesus could be applied to my life. And in that moment of time, because of an eternal choice that he made to wrap himself in flesh and be robed and walk among us and then lay down his life so I could have life. I can be buried in his name and the miraculous blood of Jesus could be applied to my life and all of my sin and guilt and shame and wrong can be remitted, never to be remembered against me again. If that's not a miracle, I don't know what is. But then I have to make a choice and He will not miraculously make the choice for me. The man at Gadara had to choose to obey the word of the Lord Jesus. Go into Decapolis and go back to your city and tell the what great things God has done. Go tell them. Well, you know, I'm a lot more comfortable out here in the tombs because I've been here a long time. And therein lies the challenge. God delivers us from things that would bind us, but we're more comfortable in the world. And so we go back to a place of comfort and we find ourselves in bondage again. And the adversary deceives us and says, God never delivered you. That's a lie from the pit of hell. God did deliver you, but you went back. I think it was Peter that described it as a dog returning to his own vomit. I know that's pretty graphic, but it's the word of the Lord. One that God had delivered, but then returned back to that which they were delivered from. Peter described as dog going back to his own vomit. There has to be a recognition. There has to be a recognition. Notice the woman at the well, what she did. She went into the city and the whole city came out with her. She said, come see a man that told me everything I've ever done. I believe her life was forever changed. Every one of those three examples could have used their rejection and the fact that they were despised as an excuse not to go forward in God. But they all recognize He loved me in spite of failure. I'll not return to my failure because of what He's done in my life. And they began to walk with God. Would you talk to the Lord with me right now? Let's pray. Jesus, in Your name, You are the way you are the truth and you are the life. You are the way, you are the truth, you are the life, you are deliverance, you are healing, you are salvation, you are the hope of my life, you are the hope of my calling, you are the joy of my living. 
In you, we have truth. In you, we have life. In you, we have hope. In you, we find everything we have need of. Oh, Lord, you are the hope that I need. You are the direction of my soul. You are the hunger of my soul. I look to you and run to you today, Jesus. I hope in you, Lord. I trust in you, Lord. I cling to you, Lord. I believe that you are the answer. I don't just believe it. I know it to be true because you have revealed yourself again and again. You took me from darkness and brought me into light. You took me from the bondage of sin and made a way for me to have liberty. You took my mind that was disturbed and confused and began to bring clarity and direction. I trust in you. I look to you. I hope in you, Jesus. I hope in you, Jesus. I hope in you, Jesus. I can't help but think of the prophet Hosea, who the Lord told him, go and marry Gomer. Oh, we get cracked up at that name. That would have been a hard thing just because of her name. So... Some of you having babies, if you have a little girl, there's a name for you, Gomer. Probably not one you'd want to choose. She was a prostitute. Harlot. Hosea went and took her out of that life. Delivered her. Brought her, made her his wife. But she went back to that environment she'd been brought out of. And what did Hosea do? He did what the Lord said, go get her again. And he did. And he brought her out. What did she do? She went back. What did the Lord say? Go get her again. And he did. But hear me, we see there the mercies of God. Somewhere she had to receive the love of Hosea and stop going back. She had to stop going back. She had to be willing to change her environment and recognize what God was offering her. Oh, wouldn't it have been great? Hosea, you know, you could have helped her. You could have just put big bolts and locks on the door. You could have built this 20-foot security fence that was electrical that she couldn't have got out of. You could have just, you know, you could have really. Don't you think for a minute, if God wouldn't let me, I'd build a wall around every one of you. I mean it. He'd let me. I'd say, I'll find ways to make sure they never go back to the things of this. I'll build a wall here. I'll build a wall here. I'll get them. I'll feed them through the hole. We'll do whatever we got to do to keep them. I just want to see you saved. I just, I just want to see your, I want heaven to be your home. I want you to walk in the power, but I can't do that. You, just like she, you got to choose. I'm changing my environment. I'm not going back. I'm not staying in relationship with him because he's, put me in bonds and stocks and built a wall. I love him. 
I want to be in relationship with him. I don't want what the old life has. He's given me life I never dreamed of. What happened to Gomer? I'll tell you what happened. She didn't stay put long enough to see the goodness of Hosea. She could only go back to the world. It wasn't until she finally realized nothing there loves me. It only brings me hurt and pain and rejection and despite again. Why am I continuing to return to that which only hurts me? Because you haven't yet come to recognize and receive the deep abiding love of God that is so pure, that is so real, that is unconditional. It's not based on performance. It's not based on activity or works of men. It is the love of God. He was despised and He was rejected of men. He knows what you feel like. He knows what you battle. He knows because He's acquainted and He loves you. It's the love of God that reaches But He will not force you to choose Him. He won't do it. He wants you to. He wants you to choose Him. He wants me to choose Him. Not just on Sunday and Thursday, God forbid. He wants me to choose him when I get up on Monday morning. He wants me to choose him when I get up on Tuesday morning. He wants you to choose him every day of your life, every moment of your life. I, I remember a couple, they, they passed now, but brother and sister Cool in Puyallup, the years we were there, they'd always give my kids candy when they were the greeters at the front door for years. And every time we'd come to church, sister Cool would have a pocket full of candy brother cool would have a pocket full and and they'd load my kids up they, i should have had charge them dental bills but they <laughs> man they were they were there they, they just this precious beautiful older couple brother and sister cool man i love them brother and sister cool were always together i don't i I'm sure there was a time, but I don't ever remember a time that they weren't together. They were together greeting people when they came in the door. After church, they were always together. They would tell stories. They went fishing together. They would tell about they'd been in the boat and fishing. They went fishing together. They went to the store together. They, they went everywhere together. They were just always together, 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 together. I, I, I can't think... I cannot think of a time I ever saw. Maybe when we had a men's work day or something, he came and worked and that was, but otherwise they were just always together. You know what? That's how I want to be with Jesus. Man, they're just always together. I'm not looking to get away from him. I'm looking to get closer to him. I'm not looking to live my life on my own apart from him. I'm looking to live more with him. I'm looking to abide in him. And I want him to abide in me. I want to go where he goes. Say what he says. Do what he does. Live as he lives. Talk like he... I want to be connected to him. 
Why? Because he loves me. He laid down his life for me. And I want my life to be wholly given to him. It's an interesting place in scripture we read in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. I think it's Hebrews 11. Yeah, it's Hebrews 11. Verses 5, 6, and 7 are quite the interesting group of verses there. We see that, I think it's Hebrews 11 and 5 that says, By faith, Enoch walked, Enoch uh, was translated or something like that. Yeah, he was translated that he should not see death. And he wasn't found or he disappeared. Why? Because God had translated him. For before, watch this, before his translation, before God translated him, that means like God just took him. Before God translated him, he had this testimony. Watch, this was his testimony. He pleased God. I'm like, how? I read that and I'm like, how? Because I want that testimony. I want to please God. But watch, keep going. Verse 6, I think. Without faith. So you got to have faith. You got to have faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Can God change your situation? Yes, have faith, He can. Can God do a work in your life? Yes, He can. What? For he that comes to God must believe that He is. And that He's a rewarder of them that diligently... See, the adversary tries to rob you of faith by saying, you've done so much junk wrong, God will never bless your life. Well, that's a lie from the pit of hell. you got to believe that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. He's not a rewarder of those that get everything right, never make a mistake, never faltered, never failed, never did anything wrong. Goodness, no. He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. So what am I doing, Brother Lewis? I want to seek Him in the morning. I want to seek Him in the afternoon. I want to seek Him in the... I want to please God. I want to walk with Him, talk with Him, live... When I go to bed at night, I want to lay down and I want Him in my thoughts. I want my conscience, my un... My subconscious, when I'm asleep, I want him talking with me. You think God can talk to you while you sleep? Yeah. Some of you really believe that because you don't spend much time talking to him while you're awake. But look, he, he wants to, I, I want to please him. I want to diligently seek him. But watch verse number seven. Watch this. But without, by faith, Noah. Noah being warned of God, of things not yet seen, moved with fear. He prepared an ark to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. Now, I see something in these three verses and in these two men's lives that stirs my heart and moves me. Watch what Enoch pleased God. And I'm asking the question, how? Because I want to please God. Noah saved his house. You know what that literally means? He saved his family. Noah saved his family and he became an heir of righteousness. And I'm saying, how? I want to save my family. I want to be an heir of righteousness. So they have my attention here. You know, it's interesting about these two men. I dig, I dug into their lives a little bit along the journey. Because I want to please God. I want to save my family. I want to be an heir of righteousness. So I'm going to learn from somebody that the Bible tells me did it. And so you know what happens? You go to Genesis chapter 5 and you begin to read. 
about Enoch? I think it's, I think it's Genesis chapter 5, verse 19. Try that. If not, we'll move forward to verse or two. I'm going to get myself in trouble like this. That's good. Jared lived after he begot. There's Enoch. Jared's the father of Enoch. He lived after he begot Enoch 800 years and begat sons and daughters. Verse 20. In all the days of Jared, 962 years, he died. Verse 21. Enoch. Here he is. Enoch lived 65 years. I haven't even lived that long yet. Maybe nobody in this room's lived that long yet. Enoch lived 65 years, and he had a son named Methuselah. Just a little side note here. Methuselah is the oldest man that ever lived, recorded in Scripture, lived 969 years. We have a commandment that comes a little later that's revealed to us that honor your father and your mother that your days may be long upon the earth. Methuselah must have honored his father. Think about that. He must have honored his father. Apparently, see, I'm looking for some indicators to Enoch's testimony because he pleased God. So apparently the man Enoch walked in a way that pleased God and it caused his son to honor him. We want to put all the pressure on the son. Apparently, Enoch's life was lived in such a way that Methuselah honored him, and therefore Methuselah reaped the benefit of long life. But watch the next verse, 22. And Enoch, what did he do? He did great and wonderful and mighty and powerful things for God. Enoch walked with God. Surely there's more than that. Okay, he had Methuselah 300 years. After he had Methuselah, he walked with God for 300 years. So he's 365 years old. Now we just read in Hebrews, he has a testimony. He pleased God. So in 365 years, what I get is he walked with God. Maybe there's more. He begat sons and daughters, verse 23. And all the days of Enoch. Nope, I don't get any more. We're 365. Maybe there's more. Verse 24. And Enoch, what did he do? And he was not. For God took him. Sister Alex, I would like more to know about Enoch. He pleased God. Surely he did more than walk with him. Or maybe not. Maybe that's what pleased God. Is every day for 365 years. He walked with God. He got up on Monday. Said, I'm not going back where I came. I'm walking today with God. 300. Oh, man, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. We can get so wrapped up in what we're doing for God, and we will do things for God, but it starts by walk with Him. Just walk with Him today. Don't go back to what He delivered you from. Walk with Him today. 
Gomer, don't go back down to where you came from, that pit that Hosea lifted you out of. Walk with him. I think a brother and sister, cool. They just walked everywhere together. Everywhere they went, they were together, together, together. And I want that to be the testimony of my life. I'm walking with God every day. Every Some days are wonderful. Some days are just mundane. But you know what? I'm walking with Jesus. I'm walking with Him. doesn't mean every day there's a miracle on the left hand and on the right. It just means every day I've got peace and victory and joy and hope because I'm walking with God. Enoch had this testimony. This was the testimony of his life. He pleased God. How did he do it? He just walked with God. He walked with God so much and so close that God decided, I think I'd just like you to come with me. I appreciate you walking with me on the earth, Enoch. But you've become such a friend to me. I'd just like to take you out of that temporary world. I'm going to tell you something right now. If you plan on spending eternity with him, you better learn to walk with him in the temporal. Because when he comes back for a church, he's coming back for a people that have walked with him in the temporal, and he plans on us spending the eternal with him. So what about Noah? Chapter 6. Next chapter, look at this. Noah chapter 6, or Noah chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6, uh, verse uh, 7. Try verse 7. It'll be close. The Lord said, I'll go to verse 8. The Lord's going to destroy man. Aha, verse 8. But Noah found grace. Now, remember, Enoch pleased God. Noah saved his family and became an heir of righteousness. So what did they do? Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. That is, a, that is a miraculous scripture right there. I don't know if you understand this. If you, you study, we don't have time this morning. Noah lived in what's known as the dispensation of conscience. That's where men, and, and every dispensation builds on the other. It doesn't just dismiss the last dispensation. Now we're in a, They build on one another. We still have conscience. You understand? You, this is why a child's born and very long. They know right and wrong. They look at you and they're getting ready to do something wrong. How do they know that if you haven't taught them? Because they have a conscience. Right? You're laughing because you know exactly what I'm talking about. Why are you looking at me? No. you. I think my dog has a conscience. but I'm sure he does. I'm sure he's got a conscience. But he doesn't care what I think. He's going to do wrong anyway. But watch, conscience. So Noah's born during the dispensation, living during the dispensation of conscience. It's been doing good and evil based on what their conscience, their perception that they have. God has it in their own. And men ended up just doing evil, evil, evil. But Noah, in the dispensation of conscience, found grace. You understand, he's not in the dispensation of grace. That's the miracle of this verse. So I'm, I, there's something in this. Noah saved his family. He became an heir of righteousness. He found grace. He found something with the Lord that wasn't even readily there 
in His dispensation. You and I are in the dispensation of grace. He transcended time. Only God can do that. So God said, this man, there's something about this man that I'm going to reach into something I've not even released to all of mankind yet. And I'm going to let it come to this man's life. He found grace in the eyes. But watch verse 9. These are the generations of Noah. He was a judge. Oh, here. Remember, Noah saved his house. I'm, I'm watching these guys. I want to learn from them. What is it? These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man, and he was perfect in his generations. Let me just say this. I don't care what your mom or dad did. Noah made a determination for his generation. I can blame it on dad. I can blame it on mom. I can say, well, my grandparents this or that or didn't this or that. No, 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 no. Noah determined he was a just man and perfect in his generations. Everybody around him might have been doing something else, but Noah said, uh uh. Matter of fact, we know everybody around him was doing something else. But Noah said, no, I'm going to be a just man because I want to save my house. I want to be an heir of righteousness. Oh, but look, and Noah, what did he do? See a pattern here. Now, if I would ask any of you, tell me what Noah did for God, you would say, oh, he built an ark. Right? That wasn't Noah's accomplishment. The testimony of Noah, he walked with God. You know what's interesting about this? I haven't really dug into this too much, but this word walk shows up in Scripture a lot. This Hebrew word, it's halak. And I probably said that all wrong, so it doesn't really matter. I mean, the word matters, but how I said it. Shows up in Scripture 500 times. 500 times. But guess what? It's only used this way three times in all of Scripture out of those 500 times. You know what those three times are? Twice it's said about Enoch, and once it's said about Noah. And that word walk there means specifically divine intimacy, devoted intimacy, and fellowship. We only find it three places that way in all of Scripture. And it's said about Enoch and about Noah. And Enoch and Noah have this testimony. They pleased God. They saved their family. And they were an heir of righteousness. I'm telling you, he was despised and rejected of men to manifest his love to you, to deliver you so you and I could walk with him. He didn't ask you to be perfect. He asked you and I to walk with him. He didn't say you'd never mess up, but he said, walk with me. But I'm going to tell you something. Most of our failures happen when I choose not to walk with him. You want victory in your life? Just walk with him. Devoted intimacy and fellowship. 
That's what they did. Notice, not intimacy and fellowship. Devoted intimacy and fellowship. What does that mean? It means intimacy I don't share with somebody else. My mind goes back to Hosea and Gomer. Gomer had intimacy with Hosea, but then she went back to the world that she'd been brought out of and had intimacy there. Hosea went and rescued her, brought her back to his house. I believe they had intimacy there. And she went back to the world and had intimacy there. That word there in the Hebrew is devoted intimacy. Notice, it's interesting to me, this just stood out to me as I said that a while ago. Hosea didn't go back and find Gomer in the world and have intimacy with her in her environment. There was a place called Gilgal in Scripture. I hope that's the right place. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Gilgal. Gilgal was a place of worship. Became a place of worship. Samuel sacrificed there for Saul. Became a place. But matter of fact, I think it's in the book of Hosea. That by the time you get to the book of Hosea, Gilgal is still a place of worship. But now it's a place of illicit worship. It's no longer pure worship unto God. It's this illicit worship that's taking place. It's become, dare I say, it's become prostituted. And what we try to do if we're not careful is we come to this place we feel the presence and the power of God. God delivers us, draws us close to himself, says, I'd like you to walk with me. He manifests his love to us. He expresses his love to us. He loved us. He commends his love to us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, not to leave us in our sinful condition, but to rescue us and bring us out. And he manifests his love to us. And we have this beautiful intimacy of worship that's pure and right and holy and pleasing to him. And then we go back into the world and we think that we can take that place of intimate worship with God and we can just bring it to bear right there back in our worldly condition and environment that does not please God and say, well, God loves me as I am. But he loved you to bring you out of that junk. The same way Hosea brought Gomer out. Love reached in and brought her out. Love didn't reach in and say, I'll just hang out here with you. And that's what we want God to do. Does he love us there? Absolutely. But there is not true intimate fellowship there. Pray with me right now, please. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I want to walk with you, Jesus. I want to walk with you, Jesus. 
I want to walk with you today. I want to walk with you this afternoon. I want to walk with you this evening. I want to walk with you tomorrow. I want to walk with you Wednesday and Thursday, every day of my life. I want to walk with you. Oh, let the love of God reach into the heart of men and women today. Let your love, oh God, draw us close to you. Let it draw us into communion and fellowship with you that you desire, whereby our lives are firmly knit and we walk with you, the living God. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. If you want to please God, walk with Him. Walk with Him. It's an old song that said, let me walk with you, Jesus. Don't ever leave me alone. For without you, Lord, I could never, no, never make heaven my home. Just let me walk with you, Jesus. I go to the story of the resurrected Christ before he ascended. Two men on the road to Emmaus. Jesus shows up and begins walking with them. They didn't recognize him. Made himself unrecognizable and they're walking. And they began to discuss the word of God. I'm telling you, when you're walking with Jesus, you'll meditate on the things that please him. When you're walking with Jesus, you'll talk about the things that please him. When you're walking with Jesus, you'll engage in the things that please him. And they're walking on the road to Emmaus and Jesus comes along and begins to walk with them. And they're talking about the fact that the tomb is empty or something along those lines has taken place. And Jesus appears as though he doesn't know. He says, what are these things you speak of? And they're like, are you a stranger to Jerusalem? Where you know, where'd you come from? What log did you crawl out under? Have you not heard about what took place? I mean, after this man that we thought was surely the Messiah, we thought he was the Christ. And it seemed now, you know, he's he was crucified. And now three days later, his tomb is empty and no one knows where he's at. We were sure he was the one. And Bible, the scripture tells us that Jesus began to speak to them from the scriptures. I'm telling you, you want deeper revelation and understanding of the word of God? Yeah, you need to read it and study it, but you can't just read and study and not walk with him. I need to read it. You've heard me say it before and you'll hear me say it again. What better way to know the book than to spend time reading it and talking with the author while you're doing so? What is it? Walking with Jesus. Enoch had this testimony that he pleased God. How? 365 years. All we know is two things that are said about him in two verses. He walked with God. And he walked with God. Pretty telling that it's only three times in all of Scripture and twice it's said about the same man. 
And that man was taken by God before his life ever ended to be with God. Jesus comes with those two men on the road to Emmaus to their house. And he acts as though he's going to go on. And they say, oh, please come in, eat with us and invite him in. He comes into the house with those two men from the road to Emmaus. They give him bread. He takes the bread. He blesses it and he breaks it. Or he breaks it, blesses the bread. When he blesses it, the Bible says their eyes were opened. And they recognize who he was. He was taken from them. And this was their comment. Did not our hearts burn within us as he talked with us along the way? Hear me. I feel the beckoning of the Spirit of God today. The despised and rejected one who would reach to every man and every woman in pure, unconditional love, saying, I'll deliver you, but I want you to walk with me. Walk with me. You don't have to have everything figured out. That's why you're walking with me. You don't have to have all the answers, but that's why you're walking with me. It's an interesting scripture. I think it's Proverbs 16 and 7, maybe Proverbs 17 and 6, maybe neither. I know it's in there. I think it's Proverbs 16 and 7. The Bible says that when a man's ways please the Lord, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Even his enemies. So how do I please the Lord in my ways? Walk with him. Walk with him. Brother Israel, I want to please him when I talk. I want to please him when I go to work and do my job. I want to please him when I'm in conversation at the coffee shop. I want to please him when I'm at home with my family. I want to please him. When I get up in the morning, I want to please him. I just want to please him. And sometimes we can put so much pressure on ourselves to perform and do. And pleasing is starting by walking with him. But you got to make a conscious effort to walk with him. Walking with him, I'm finishing. Walking with him doesn't just mean, well, just live in life and whatever happens. No, 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 no. I'm consciously aware of his presence. I'm consciously aware. Not only am I consciously aware, I want to be aware. Because I want to be with him. I see brother and sister cool. Brother cool was a big man. He's like 6'4". Probably 280, man. He was big. Old military vet. Sister Cool was this tiny little lady. She probably, I don't know how tall she was. I'll get in trouble if I, but she was, she was tiny. She was tiny in every way. She was just this tiny little lady. But by goodness, she said something. He was like ready. Now, he, he wore the pants in the home as rightfully he should have. He, he was the head of his home. 
But they had such a beautiful relationship. So beautiful. And they were just joined together. I just, that's just a picture in my mind of walking with him. Everywhere I go. Everywhere I go, everything I do, what I say, what I don't do, I, I just want to walk with him. You want victory in your life? You can have victory. Just walk with him. You say, oh, it's got to be more complicated than that. No, you want it to be more complicated than that so you can have an excuse. It's not more complicated than that. Walk with him. Well, what does that even look like? Why don't you ask him? Really? Why don't you ask him? When you get up in the morning and you get ready to engage in something, say, Jesus, is this something that you would like me doing with you? Or is this something you would prefer not to do? And if he says, yeah, I'd enjoy participating in that with you. Then walk with him. But if you're like, oh, no. You say, well, I don't know if he's talking. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. If Gomer would have just asked Hosea, do you mind if I go back down? Would you like to go with me? I think his answer, she'd have known his answer. That's why she never asked. She just made a choice and did it. Just stand with me this morning. I wish I could sing. Because I would just sing that old course. Let me walk with you, Jesus. It's my prayer this morning. Maybe it could be yours. I open this altar to you today. Let me walk with you, Jesus. Come on, you want to see your family saved? Noah walked with God. You want to please God? Noah walked with God. You want to be an heir? You want to inherit the righteousness of God? Noah walked with God. How do I do it? You got to do it with faith. 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 Ask him the question. Ask him the question. Lord, is this pleasing to you? Because I want to, I don't want to walk where you wouldn't walk, Lord. Come on, sometimes we make decisions in our walk. And I know the Lord is omnipresent and he's everywhere. But that doesn't mean we're walking with him and he's walking with us. We we've decided, Lord, I want you to cover me, but I'm gonna sort of head into some things that I know aren't pleasing to you. You want victory in your life? Here's how it starts. Let me walk with you, Jesus. You want to know him more? Come on, quit complicating it. Just let me walk with you, Jesus. I want my thoughts to be with you. I want my steps to be with you. I want my words to be with you. I want my actions to be with you. I just want to walk with God. We see from Noah's walk, 
some characteristics and traits that are very clear. Noah knew the voice of God. He knew it because he walked with him. Noah was obedient to the voice of God. He had an obedient heart and spirit. How? Why? Because he walked with God. He wanted to please God. And Noah was faithful to what God asked of him. How could he remain faithful? Because he walked with God and knew God to be faithful. When you can do this, you can do this by the power of the blood. You can do this by the power of His Spirit. He's a very close God. He wants a place of devoted intimacy and fellowship with you and with me. Oh, would you commit afresh today? It may be a place first of repentance. He says, forgive me. Forgive me for going back to things that weren't pleasing to you. I pray for the grace that Noah found, Lord, so that I can walk with you the way he did. Forgive me for looking to the things of this world, believing that would bring hope and victory and answers, Lord. Just let me walk with you. Just let me walk with you. Oh, would you talk to him from a sincere place in your heart this morning? Really talk with him from a place in your spirit today. I feel a very present God here. He's here. like he's coming alongside many of you inviting you again maybe maybe you've gotten a little off the path maybe you've gotten a little away but I, I feel the loving God coming alongside so many of you today saying I'll walk with you you don't have to earn your way back in if you'll submit repent and let me lead you I'll walk with you come on he's very close to every one of us he's very near to every one of us of a loving God. It's the invitation of a loving God. Nothing else will satisfy you like walking with Him. Better job, more income, nicer home. You can fill in all the blanks.